I want to begin by sort of giving another little bit of review of the uh, the Beatitudes and how they're laid out um, before we talk about this specific one this evening. And I want to talk about the idea in, of inevitability. Uh, as you look at these Beatitudes, uh, there is a sense which some of these uh, benefits that we would call them, the second half of each of these ber- verses, I would call those benefits, uh, promises that are attached to the qualities that are mentioned at the beginning of each verse. And you might read through there and say, you know, some of these sound like they're inevitable just because I'm a Christian. And he is speaking to believers because it says that it wasn't just the multitudes. Sometimes the Bible says the multitudes came to him, but specifically uh, you've got a group here that are disciples, those that call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, even at this point. And so, is, if it's all going to happen anyway, right, if the idea of it's going to happen anyway, then why concern ourselves with it? For instance, in verse 3, it talks about the benefit of the kingdom of heaven. Well, won't all believers, if you're just, just saved, if you're just a Christian, won't you end up in heaven someday simply because you're redeemed? Uh, even if you don't necessarily focus on this quality of poor in spirit. Uh, will we not be comforted? The Bible says that uh, believers in heaven, according to Revelation 21, verse 4, will be comforted. He talks about how he'll wipe away all tears. There, there's comfort. doesn't seem to be a specific group in heaven, but all believers that are there. Uh, will not all believers be filled, just as it's talking about in verse 6, to a sense of a spiritual and overflowing, when, once we're glorified, I mean, how can you not be filled when you reach heaven, spiritually speaking? Uh, really, we're topped off, you would imagine, right? And it's true. Those, those things are all true. And all believers, as we're looking at verse 8 tonight, talking about the pure in heart, they shall see God, we'd say, well, I'm pretty sure that all believers that go to heaven will see God. Uh, in fact, 1 John 3, 2 says, we shall see him as he is. There will be a, a, a way of viewing God when we get there that we can't appreciate as we just gaze at him through his word. God reveals himself to us through his word. We understand that. We, we know a lot about God. We see God through the pages of the Bible, his qualities, his character, his attributes. But we'll see him in a special way once we get there. But I think the second parts to each of these Beatitudes do seem to be incentives. In other words, we're blessed, and this is the incentive to have this quality developed within us. And if it's going to happen anyway, why bother concerning ourselves with this first part of each verse? Because some of them sound like they're a lot of work. We talked this morning about mercy, for instance. And it's easy to talk about mercy and show some mercy here and there. Uh, but when it comes right down to it, being merciful like God wants us to be, there's, there's some painful times that we have to go through of surrender. And we have to really be broken before the Lord. And there's moments. Now, when we have that breakthrough, it's always a blessing. Uh, when God finally brings us to that place of surrender. And we're really able to show that mercy by faith. But it can be 
difficult. It can be painful. Uh, as Paul talked about, having to pummel his flesh, keep under that body, bring it in subjection. Uh, that, that, that speaks of the, of the challenge, if you would, that is there. And so we understand that, for instance, meek people in verse 5, uh, meek people have a, a special residence in the new earth, but, but meekness can also make a person influential and successful that gains them a significant foothold in this present world. And, and that's really true because if a person is boastful and arrogant, we often, if we're wise, there's a mistrusting of those kinds of people. But, but someone that is humble and meek, it's not thrusting themselves on others, uh, those are the kind of people that you'll take into your confidence when you're seeking counsel and wisdom. Uh, those are the kinds of people you'll entrust things with. And so there's a blessing that comes along with that, even now. Not just in heaven to come, but right now. It's also true that committed believers are not satisfied until they've gotten a spiritual glimpse of the one that they love. I mean, if you really, we sang tonight about, oh, how I love Jesus. And, you know, that, if that's coming out of our hearts, folks, if that's coming out of our hearts, there ought to be sense of which, you know, tomorrow as you enter the day, there's, there ought to be something just breathing out of your soul saying, Lord, I need to see you today. I, I, need, I need to taste you. I need to experience you today. I, I know that you revealed yourself to me in your word last week, but I, I need it fresh today. I need to see you. But, but we're also not just satisfied that there's that longing says, but Lord, I can't wait, just like I was saying. You know, uh, there's a sense in which we want to see him in glory someday. That we, we, we want to run up and, and give the good shepherd a hug for putting up with, you know, all of our shenanigans as bad sheep here on planet Earth, right? That ought to be true of us, and that, that longing should be really just pouring forth from our soul. But I think there's a second reason that these Beatitudes are not simply dangling inevitable benefits before us, like it's going to happen anyway. And that is that these may, these may not be incentives at all. In other words, if you do this, second part of the verse, then you'll get this, first part of the verse. You'll be blessed in this way. So if it's not an incentive... Then what is it? Well, notice the word for. The word for could indicate so that or because. And if it's the latter, because, rather than the first phrase, so that, then the meaning would be you ought to work on these things because that is what God is sending your way. In other words, yes, it is inevitable, but you ought to be surrendered and embracing this because of what's happening. You know, the benefits, therefore, are not conditional, but they are gifts. God's going to give them to us. And therefore, out of gratitude, we should allow these qualities that are mentioned to grow in our life because they bring honor to the one who has so blessed us. And that's the way I believe that these verses are laid out for us. That's what I see. And, and isn't that the nature of God, that he doesn't lay out conditions for us? Well, you know, I'll give you this if you do this. And God says, I'm, I'm a gracious God. You know, I'm, I'm going to do this for you. But, you know, if you're, if you're really wanting to enjoy it and appreciate it, 
then your soul and your heart will reach out and embrace it in this way. And so what does it mean to be pure in heart? Let's just talk about that for a moment. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, the most common interpretation is the idea of being spiritually clean. Clean within and not just an appearance of purity, but that's visible in one's actions. You know, people were, were left to try to discern. You know, is this, is this person a, a sincere Christian? And, and we are left to some degree looking on the outward appearance. And, and I think there will be actions that will come out, such as faithfulness. And, and faithfulness in many different ways, right? If you are truly got the Lord in your life, you'll be, you'll be faithful to your spouse. You'll be faithful to your, your work responsibilities. You'll be faithful to the local church. You'll, you'll be Why? Because God is a faithful God. And so His attributes are resembled in us. One could walk and talk as a devoted follower of Christ, but their real desires might be very different. And honestly, it's, it's possible for people to fake it in the Christian life. How do we know that? Well, Judas appears to be an example of that, right? In fact, when Jesus said, one of you 12 is going to betray me, they didn't all point to, yep, I bet it's Judas. You know, he was sort of the last one they suspected. So that tells me that externally, you know, he had fooled them all, not Christ, of course. And in fact, he had received one of the most trusted positions within that group, right? He was the bearer of the bag. He became the treasurer. You don't give that job just to anybody. He had shown himself to some degree, somehow, they had determined that he was faithful. I, I seriously doubt it. Well, we need someone to kind of keep up with finances around here. And if the first guy was like, ooh, ooh, I'll, I'll take care of the money, I'd be like, hmm, any, any other nominations here? You know, it's like he's a little bit too eager, you know. Uh, we don't know what happened there. But it does appear, based on the text of Scripture, that he had it put together, at least externally. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 15 and verse 8, talking about the Jewish people, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. They know how to say all the right things, in other words. They can sing the hymns, if we were to put this in today's terms. Oh, they can sing the hymns. They can do a special. They can quote Scripture verse. They, they can, they, when they pray, they just sound so humble, they draw nigh with the mouth. Right? But notice what he goes on to say. And honoreth me with their lips, but what's the problem with the heart? It's far from me. And that's what you and I can't see, at least not initially. Now, in time, in my experience, given enough time, the heart will betray if you have a disloyal heart, it will come out. It will show itself for what it is. You can only fake that fruit for so long, right? You'll be, you'll be a miserable person. You won't be able to stand it. And so God is concerned with inner purity, but how concerned is God with inner purity? Talking about getting to the heart of the matter, literally. Well, God gives qualifications for those who want to worship Him. We came and worshiped the Lord tonight. He doesn't say, well, we need a few more bases at Anchor Baptist Church. 
singing my praises. You know, we, we need someone that can get that vibrato just right. You know, we can get someone that enunciates those words very clearly. Notice what Psalm 24, verses 3 through 4 says. Who shall ascend in the hill of the Lord? This is the idea when it talks about the hill. That was a metaphor for where the temple was. Who's going to come up to worship? In fact, the last few chapters of Psalms are called the Psalms of the Ascent. As they would go up to Jerusalem to worship, they would sing these psalms. And those are great psalms to to worship with the Lord yourself and, and, and to give back to Him. But what kind of person, someone that has memorized those psalms of ascent, who shall stand in His holy place? Here's the answer. He that hath clean hands. And a what? A pure heart. There's our phrase, right? This is what we're looking at tonight. The pure in heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. You know, it is easy, it is tempting for us to come to church and not assess our heart's condition. Let me just say something right here on a practical note if I could. Something that has helped me. And that is to take a little extra time before you come into God's assembly with believers. And, and get spend time. Some people think, well, I'm coming to church. I'll pray and worship there. We need to prepare ourselves with personal worship before we get involved in public worship, don't we? And that public worship, as we come and sing the hymns, that's when we will have a pure heart. You know, Lord, before I come to worship you with my brothers and sisters of Christ, is there... Is there stain in my life? Is there anything that is coming between my soul and the Savior? Are there things that I need to confess and make right? Have, have, have I been right to my spouse this week? Have I, have I been honest in all areas of my life? You know, have, I, have, I, have I been a little bit too lazy, perhaps? Have I indulged in things that were vain? You know, and, and really taking that time, just you and the Lord, preparing yourself. That's what this is about. That's what this verse, psalm is talking about here. Before you come to public worship, you've had that come to the Lord time in your private life as well. Do we bear a grudge with someone? We talked about that a little bit this morning, didn't we? Showing mercy and not having one compartment in our life. Are we resisting the leading of the Spirit to some step of faith? You know, maybe there's something that the Lord keeps prodding and bringing to the forefront of your mind, and you just kind of, well, maybe if I just wait, it'll stop. It'll go away. It'll stop nagging me that way. But every time you get around God's people and you get in the face of God's Word, it keeps coming back. That's a good sign that that's the Lord speaking to you, by the way. You don't want to stifle that. You don't want to quench the Spirit of God. He wants to guide you into a place of blessing. And so if you're doing those kinds of things, really what we're doing is we're being a self-serving individual. We'll never have joy if we're serving ourselves. We have joy if we're serving Jesus. So we need to be ready to offer praise and adoration to God, but that's where it starts, is in our closet, on our knees, in private. This was the problem that Jesus pointed out in the Pharisees, right? I mean, they were all put together when it came to public worship. In fact, a lot of times the people were like, Ooh, 
We're impressed with them. Look at those phylacteries. You know, look at when they're mourning, how they, you know, they, they smear and, and, and look so gaunt. And, you know, and so they had the outward impression on the people. But they had their reward, and it was very short-lived because it was just for the people. Now, we're not trying to impress God, but we are trying to live to love God, right? And so we want to be more concerned about what God knows than what people think. Luke eleven thirty nine 39 says, The Lord said unto these Pharisees, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. You know, there's some beautiful china out there, right? And if you look at it up on the shelf and you're, you know, maybe you invite a guest over for, for tea or coffee or something like that. and Oh, and here's this, you know, nice ornate porcelain and it's got gold trim around it and it's just like oh i'd love to drink out of that cup and then you pull it down and and maybe the hostess is just getting ready to you know to pour the coffee into that cup and you look down and down inside there's you know kind of smeared and crusted uh residue from a previous beverage drinker and you might be uh you know you're not too excited all the beauty of the outside of that cup is lost because of the problem of the, the dirt and the grime that's on the inside of the cup. We get that picture, don't we, folks? And yet when we come and we look so nice and we smile so sweet and pretty and we know how to say, oh, God bless you, my friend, and, you know, uh, I'll pray for you. you know, all these little things that we can say and, and, and sound so pleasant, so nice, and they are. And, and it's not that we shouldn't say those things, but the problem is if the inside of our cup is all grimy, we're not pure in heart, God says, you've got a deeper issue, my friend. One can easily live a double life. Now, you're miserable, but you can go through the motions. And you can appear to be pious, but inwardly, you're driven by your own personal desires and passions and lust. And you'll know because, you know, you, you can't wait to, to get away, really, from God's people. You're there, but, you know, it's, it's not a joy anymore. It slowly loses its joy, let's say. You're not waiting. You can't wait. It's not that you can, uh, you've, you stop uh, having the attitude of, I can't wait to get to church to sing the praises. I can't wait to hear the word of God. You know, there's a problem with the inside of our cups, folks, if that's the case. Martin Luther once said, Though a common laborer, a shoemaker, or a blacksmith may be dirty and sooty and may smell because he is covered with dirt and pitch, and though he stinks outwardly, inwardly he is pure incense before God if he loves the Lord as a Savior. And it is true, I, I've met some individuals that they weren't very impressive to look at. Uh, they did, didn't, maybe didn't take all the time to do personal grooming, but they had a sweet savor of Jesus Christ when they began to talk about Jesus. Being pure in heart means that you are concerned about fo following rules because it's the right thing to do, but you do not believe that mere outward conformity 
to the rules makes you the right kind of person. In other words, I obey because I love him. I obey him because I love him. I, I don't obey him so he'll love me. I know he loves me already. To be pure in heart is to be single-minded and free from the tyranny of a divided self. Pure in heart is a single heart. You're not, you're not a double-minded man. You have a single eye, just as Jesus mentions later in Matthew chapter 6 and, and verse 22. He says there, The light of the body is the eye, and therefore thine eye be single. The whole body is full of light. What's he talking about there? Single, single in our vision. There's some people who's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm looking at what it means to be a Christian. Oh, I'm looking at how attractive the world is. Oh, I'm back here. What do I need to do to fit in with God's people? And oh, this looks so great, what the world has to offer. But if we could just single focus on Jesus Christ, who is the light, then the light floods in to our soul and our spirit, doesn't it? The pure in heart is one who is sincere. You're real. Remember what Psalm 24, 3 through 4 said, the person with a pure heart also had the clean hands, and clean hands uh, he has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He's not living trickery. He's not said, you know, I I'm going to fool everybody else so they'll think I'm a, a really pious Joe. He's real. What you see on the outside is, is reflective of the inside. And you know, if you spend enough time around people, you can sense your spirit will bear witness because you've got the same Holy Spirit, you know. And you'll know, hey, this person really, I can detect, they really love the Lord. There's no question in my mind. I can just sense the reverberation of the Spirit of God inside of them. It is tempting to live lives customized for the people that you are with and the situations you're in. And I want to be careful about this because people sometimes say, well, Paul said, I'm all things to all people. Well, that meant that, you know, he was learned and, and he could have a conversation with the Greek people that followed Greek philosophy and so forth like that. But he could, he could talk with his fellow tent makers who weren't necessarily so educated either. But there was nothing pretentious, I don't believe, about the Apostle Paul. He was still very real in every case. He didn't just create some sort of pretense about himself so that people would think he's this fabulous guy. The Chinese proverb that says, one foot cannot stand on two boats. I like that. Uh, you know, you, you, have to, you have to pick. You have to choose. Someone else said, you know, we play the game, but, but God keeps the score. And there's a lot of people out there playing the game. And you, might think, and you might be fooling a lot of people in playing the game, but you'll never get anything past God. He's ultimately the scorekeeper. You, what is sad is people care more about convincing other people than they do about showing their love, their genuine love to God himself. So what is the blessing for the pure in heart? Well, only a true, sincere believer would appreciate the benefit that's being talked about here. I mean, you already have to be someone who says, Lord, I want to be, I want to be sincere. I want to have a pure heart. And if that is true of you, then you're going to appreciate a, having a clear spiritual vision of God. 
God will make himself more known to you is the idea here. Not just when you get to heaven. That's not what this is talking about. Because we'll all see God when we get to heaven. The people that have wasted on wood, hay, and stubble as well as those that have gold, silver, and precious stone. But in the here and now, in daily life, you get a dazzling vision of him. You're, you're the kind of person that opens the word of God and you're reading it and you're like, God, I see something about you that I didn't detect before. And you go away so mesmerized, so overcome in awe of him that it's like, ah, I don't even need Fox News today. Just leave it behind, you know. Who cares about what happens, you know, with the elections? Man, I've got God in my life. The believer with an undivided heart will long for sweet glimpses of their Savior in the pages of the Bible every day. The sincere Christian reveals and every opportunity to see every evidence of God throughout the day. I mean, it, it's simple like this, right? You, you see the ocean, you just think, God, you made this. I mean, and it's going in, and it's out, and there's life down there. And, you know, you told Abraham, you know, about his generations to be more than the sand and of the sea. And, and you just, you're just thinking about all this as you're looking at God's creation. And, and you're not just taking all oh, that's beautiful scenery but your heart is being knit to god who is the creator of what you're saying right and your heart just fills up because god does reveal himself the heavens declare the glory of god the firmament shows his handiwork day in the day utter speech on it goes psalm 19 christian sees god's image imprinted on every human being you ever find yourself doing this? You know, even in incorrigible people, you can stop and say, you know, God, you made this person. You know, it, it might be someone that could easily, if you're in the flesh, could get under your nerves, you know. I'm in a hurry here. Why will this person not, you know, speed up? I, you know, I've been standing at this counter, you know. But you just stop and look into their eyes. And say, you know what, this is a person that God made in his image. This is a person for whom Jesus died. How are you doing today, ma'am? Are you having a good day? You know, God is good. I, I, I hope, you know, do you, do you know the Lord in your life? And, you know, when you, you meet a fellow believer and you get that smile and there's just this the immediate bond, you know. I was having lunch with one of our young men yesterday at, at McDonald's and we were just talking about the Lord and, you know, I got a, I got a loud mouth, you know, and, uh, and my wife is gracious. She knows when I need to kind of, you know, she'll very discreetly kind of remind me, you know, if we're talking about something sensitive or whatever, but, but, but Elijah and I were just talking about the things of the Lord, and he was beaming, and I, I was excited, and we were just going, and all of a sudden this lady comes up, and I thought, uh-oh, we're in trouble or something like that. And she just came up, and she had this wonderful smile on her face, and she said, I'm sorry, I couldn't but overhear what you two fellows were talking about. She says, you know, just, you know, she said, I just felt led to say, you know, follow the Lord. Don't let people deter you from what God leads you to do. But when you see what God's will is from his word, just, and I was just, we just kind of looked at each other. I said, amen, you know, and he was like, amen, you know. And you just see the, the, the souls of men and women whom God is working in, in that way. It's exciting. It's exciting to see that realness. It's not just 
a beautiful sunset that you might see. And sunsets are beautiful. Sunrises are beautiful. But it's a God-created sunset. We get to appreciate it in a different way because it shows us our Creator. It's not just a nice day. It's a God-blessed day. It's not just a thoughtful gift. It's a God-sent gift. I like what A.W. Tozier said in closing. He said, I'm afraid we modern Christians are long on talk and short on conduct. We use the language of power, but our deeds are the deeds of weakness. We settle for words in religion because deeds are too costly. It's easier to pray, Lord, help me to carry my cross daily, than to pick up the cross and carry it. But since the mere request for help to do something we do not actually intend to do has a certain degree of religious comfort, we are content with repetition of the words. You see what he's saying there? It's, it's so easy to say, you know, well, I'll, you know, I'll pray about it, you know. And, you know, Lord, give me the strength to do something. Okay, well, pray for the Lord to give you the strength. But then if it's not something that you know God would have you to do, then go do it, right? Have faith. God's already commanded it. Believe that His grace is sufficient. He said it's sufficient. But all too many times, what he's touching on there, is people are like, well, I'll just, I'll go outwardly, yes, you know. Praying about this, thinking about this, you know. No. Be obedient believers. Step out in faith. Do what God would have you say. And that is what stems from the person who is pure in heart. And they are the ones, you and I are the ones, that really get that daily glimpse of God in a special way. Amen? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the Christian life that is intended to be filled with sincerity, genuineness. Lord, help us to be individuals who don't just outwardly go through the motions, but we are not satisfied unless we know that there's nothing between our souls and the Savior. Lord, that we are quick to confess our sin, knowing that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That when we come to make sacrifice and worship, and it occurs to us that there's some unsettled business between us and another brother or sister in Christ or another individual, we, we leave our public worship aside we go and we take care of that business why because we want to be real we want to be pure in heart and because lord we do want to catch fresh fresh glimpses of you we want to be able to see you as you really are lord help us to live by this truth we pray in christ's name amen